بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمود الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا سیکنڈ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا نائنتھ سیشن الحج And I've reached verse 25. So inshallah today going through up to and including verse 26. So verse 25. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. As to those who do not believe and would keep back from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the sacred masjid which we have made open to all mankind, equal is the dweller there and the visitor from the country. And any whose purpose therein is profanity or wrongdoing, them will be caused to taste of a most grievous penalty. So, there's a report mentioning the reason for the revelation. So, in Ibn Abi Hatim, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, Rasulullah sent Abdullah Ibn Anis with two men. So, before moving on, To make it easy, Abdullah ibn Anis, he apostatized. So Rasulullah sent, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this apostate Abdullah ibn Anis, who hadn't apostatized by then, with two men, of whom one is an Ansari and the other is from the Muhajirun. The Muhajirun and the Ansari, the two men, began glorifying their lineage. The mat at which Abdullah ibn Anis got furious, to the extent that he killed the Ansari man and he apostatized from Islam and to Makkah he fled. This action of his for which Allah the Almighty sent down this verse, I verse 25. As to those who disbelieve and would keep back from the path of Allah and from the sacred masjid to the end of the verse. So what happened? So Abdullah ibn Anis, he, his lineage was from Makkah. So when the Muhajir and the Ansar were talking about their lineages, he got angry thinking, how can this man from the Ansar even compare to us? And in a fit of anger, he killed the Ansari. And then obviously, he realized the gravity of the crime. And then he apostatized and he, and he fled to Makkah. And because of that, Allah Ta'ala revealed I, this verse. So this is the reason for the revelation of this verse. So why did he flee to Makkah? Because Makkah is a haram. And of course that is where he, the unbelievers were strong at the time as well. So the verse says, if you look at the middle of the holy verse, Equal is the dweller there and the visitor from the country. Meaning there is no distinction. Everybody has got equal rights in the holy city. So here there's a report. So in Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, volume 6, page 550 of the English translation, Imam Shafi and Ishaq ibn Rahaway They differed in Masjid al-Khif when Imam Ahmad was also present. So what's happening? 
So this is probably during the Hajj. Masjid Al-Khif is in Mina. It's a, it's a blessed masjid where 70 prophets have prayed. And two of the Imams are the Imam Shafi and Imam Ahmad. But Imam Shafi, he's differing with another famous narrator, Ishaq ibn Rahwe. Imam Shafi'i was of the opinion that the various parts of Makkah can be owned, can be inherited, and can be rented. So what is he referring to? So because Allah Ta'ala is mentioning in this verse, everybody has got equal rights. The question is posed, can you own anything in Makkah? So Imam Shafi'i said three things. You can own property in Makkah. You can inherit property in Makkah. And you can rent out property in Makkah. He used as evidence the hadith of Osama ibn Zayd who said, I asked Ya Rasulullah will you go and stay tomorrow in your house in Makkah? The Prophet said, وَهَلْ تَرَقَ لَنَا أَقِيلًا مِنْ Has Aqil left us any property? Then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, لَا يَرِثُ الْقَافِرُ الْمُسْلِمَ وَلَا الْمُسْلِمُ الْقَافِرُ An unbeliever does not inherit from a Muslim. And a Muslim does not inherit from an unbeliever. This is recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. So let's explain this report. So when did this happen? Rasulullah, Makkah fell. So when Makkah fell, obviously, the Muhajirun who had been expelled, they've come back. So Osama said, Ya Rasulullah, Will you go to your own house tomorrow? Meaning you've come back. So the Prophet said, Has Aqil left us any property? Now what did he mean by that? The property had been distributed, had been inherited. And Aqil, it was now in his hands. So the Prophet then said, An unbeliever does not inherit from a Muslim. And a Muslim does not inherit from an unbeliever. Meaning we are not allowed. Then Imam Shafi, he also used as evidence the report that Umar, and that's in Bukhari and Muslim, that Umar radiyallahu, he bought a house in Makkah from Safwan ibn Umayyah radiyallahu for 4,000 dinars and he made it into a prison. So if you weren't allowed to buy anything in Makkah, how can Umar have bought something from Safwan? So to reiterate, what did Imam Shafi say? You can own, inherit and rent from Makkah. Ishaq ibn Rahawi, he was of the opinion that the houses in Makkah could not be inherited or could not be rented because you can't own property in Makkah nor can you rent it. Ishaq ibn Rahawi used as evidence the hadith of Ibn Majah from Al-Kama ibn Nadla who said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu passed away. And nobody claimed any property in Makkah except the grazing animals. Whoever needed to live there would take up residence there. Whoever did not need to live there would let others take up residence there. This is in the Ibn Imajah number 3107. So Ishaq ibn Rahul goes, no, you can't inherit and you can't rent land in Makkah. And he used that as a proof. Abdul Razak, he relates that Abdullah ibn Amr said, It is not allowed to sell or rent the houses of Makkah. He also said, narrating from Ibn Juraj, Atar would not allow people to charge rent in the haram. And he told me that Umar ibn al-Khattab 
did not allow people to put gates on the houses of Makkah because the pilgrims used to stay in their courtyards. <laughs> so, Ibn Kathir is narrating all this. So, Umar, imagine you got your own dwelling in Makkah. Smash your, the, you, they can stay in your courtyard. You don't own it. <laughs> so, the Hajis were just going to your courtyard. Then Ibn Kathir said, the first person to put a gate on his house in Makkah was Suhail ibn Amr radiallahu Umar radiallahu sent for him, questioned him. And he said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, I am a man who engages in trade and I want to protect my bike. He radiallahu said, then you are allowed to do this. So think about that. The first person to actually build a gate was Suhail. And when he questioned him, he goes, it's not for property because it's my livestock. It is my merchandise. He goes, it's not safe. That's why I put the gate. As an Umar goes, this is fine. Abdul Razak recalls from Mujahid that Umar who said, O people of Makkah, do not put gates on your houses and let the Bedouins stay wherever they want. This is in Abdul Al-Mantur, 463 Ibn Kathir's Tafsir. So, Ishaq Ibn Rahuwe, he calls all this. Now if you look at the verse, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the middle? Sawa'an al-aqifu fihi wal-bad The dweller in it and the visitor from the country are equal. They may stay wherever they want. Dadu Kutni records from Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu Whoever charges rent for the houses of Makkah consumes fire. Whoever charges rent for the houses of Makkah consumes fire. Imam Ahmad, rahmatullahi, he took a middle path. According to what his son Salih said, Imam Ahmad said, they may be owned and inherited the property, but they cannot be rented. So as to reconcile between all the proofs. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So note, this is the harp. Look how strange these commands are. According to some of the Imams, you can't own anything. Nobody in it. Why? Because Allah has made it a haram. Right? But now you see the state of affairs, what's happening there. You know, God help us in it. Right? The commands being violated left, right, and center. People renting. Right? You know, you go there. Now think about it, even logically. They charge you for the hotels. How does that fit into this verse? Extortion rate. Imagine. You can't even have a gay, according to the hadith. Stop people there. But Imam Ahmad, because he looked at all of the reports, he goes, you can own it, you can inherit, but you can't rent it. Mm-hmm. Because of all this, all the various reports mentioned here. So now the verse continues. At the end of verse 25, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And for any whose purpose therein is profanity and wrongdoing, we will cause them to taste the most grievous penalty. So in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Abdullah ibn Abbas recited this portion. So Ibn Abbas recited that portion and he explained, this means someone whose actions are intentional. So according to Ibn Abbas, he said Allah Ta'ala is warning the people in Makkah 
that if you intentionally do something wrong, you will be given azab in alim, a grievous punishment. But Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he recited the same portion. He said, if a man merely intends to do some evil action therein, Allah Ta'ala will make him taste a painful torment. This is in Ahmad number 4071, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir, to the condition of Bukhari, and it is Mawkuf to Ibn Mas'ud. So Ibn Mas'ud said, if you intend to do evil in Makkah, you will receive a severe punishment. So now question, how do you control your, your heart? So for instance, you intend to do something, you're not accountable for it normally, as long as you don't put it into action. You are in Makkah. So Allah Ta'ala is warning you about the sanctity in this verse. Now think about that. If you look at all of the reports, what's that telling you about Makkah? Inheritance, property, this, that, you can't even intend to commit. It's the haram. And the haram means prohibited. Haram, the word haram is used. What does that mean? Unlawful. What's unlawful? All of these things. That's why it's called the haram. And also Ibn Kathir, I'll summarize it. Ibn Kathir, he then mentions two examples. One from history and one in the future. Who intended evil in the haram, in the history? It was the people of the elephant. What happened to them? Right? Allah revealed the surah saying, Do you not see how your Lord dealt with the, the companions of the elephant? Did he not foil their secret plan and send against them flocks of birds which pelted them with clay stones so that they became like plants crushed by cattle? They were intending. Allah destroyed them. So that's in history, Quran. In the future, in Sahih Muslim, Sufyani's army will sink. Why? Because they're going to attack Imam Mahdi, who's in Makkah. Their entire army will sink, the Prophet said. This is the future, except one man will survive to tell the tale. So why is Allah mentioning that? Because you intend evil there, I'm going to sort you out. So people, again, going to Hajj and Umrah, you know, oblivious to this. You know, cigarettes in their mouths in Makkah, belly button sticking out in Ikhram. Right? Swearing, doing transactions. And then you think, what are you doing with us? Because oh, you deserved it. People ripping each other off. Taxi drivers ripping the people off. Right? Look at the crime they're committing. They don't even realize what's happening. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud relates that our beloved messenger said, the, the major sins are nine. And then he mentioned, indulging in forbidden deeds within the premise of the house of Allah and considering them permissible are one of the nine. This is in Tabrani Hakim Behaki. So one of the destructive sins that will pulverize you is for you to commit sin in Makkah. You commit sin there, you're asking for it. Right? And also, in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in Isira is a Hassan Hadith. Esaf and Na'ila, there were two idols of the Quraysh which stood near the Zamzam well. So the Zamzam well is next to the Kaaba, just a few yards away. They've, they've uh, concreted over it so you can do the wath easily. But there's two idols there called Esaf and Na'ila. They would offer sacrifices there. Aisha radiyallahu said, we had always heard that the pair Esaf and Na'ila committed zina in the haram and they were turned to stone. 
So what happened? Two fruit cakes. They committed zina. Where did they commit zina? Next to the Kaaba. So what did Allah Taala do? He didn't even wait for the grave. Turn them to stone. Two so, and then them two stones were there. What did the fruit cakes of the Quraysh do? Turn them to idols. Right? It's half an hour. What is going on? So the Prophet Sallallahu obviously destroyed these idols. So why? Now think about that. Can you think of any other incident where evildoers were turned to stone? Look how horrific that is, isn't it? If you think about it, turned to stone and their names were left, Isaf and Na'ila. So why did Allah do that? He's warning you. And this was Jahiliyyah. That was before Islam. Allah doesn't even take that into consideration. When Tukba was coming, what did the Jewish rabbis tell him? He goes, don't do anything here. <laughs> Because he was, there was a problem. He had to deal with the problem in Makkah. He goes, honor this place. Because if you want your kingdom. And he, he, he was the first person to put a cloth on the Kaaba. He listened to the rabbis. And then he was going to Medina. And they asked him again. Because don't do anything here as well. This is the Haram of the last Prophet. And then he built a dwelling for the Prophet And Tumba, obviously, he was a righteous man. So if you honor the Haram, Allah honors you. If you dishonor the Haram, Khuda Hafiz. So note, all of this is obligatory knowledge before you go to the haram. Now the danger is this. The authorities there have made it into a market. You go to the Makkah, you feel like you're in metal hole. So you've got to keep pinching yourself. Oh, this is the haram, this is the haram, this is the haram. Imagine trying to get your mind in a frame of mind and you're in metal hole. No, no, this is the haram, this is the haram. So they don't make it easy for you to even realize you're in the haram. The only time you appreciate it is when you're in around the Kaaba and in Masjid al-Nabi. So again, you have to prepare for that. You know, when people go, they think, I'm going to see a romantic version. You're going to see nothing, brother. You're going to see shopping malls everywhere, goldsmiths, right? And, but you've got to remind yourself, you're in the Haram. So Shaitan's made it even easier to commit sin. The people just throw trash on the floor. In Makkah, imagine, they bring bulldozers in, tractors to pick up the rubbish. People urinate, don't even go to the toilet. And why is that disastrous? Because the Prophet warned, my ummah will be in good stead as long as they honor the haram. If they lose veneration for the haram, Allah Ta'ala will lose veneration for them. With the nearest meaning in Ibn Imajah. And that's why we're in a huge, huge mess, the Muslim world, because of lack of veneration for the haram. Verse 26. Behold, we gave the sight to Ibrahim, of the house, saying, Associate not anything with me. Sanctify my house for those who perform tawaf around it or stand or bow or prostrate themselves therein. So what does it mean, sanctify the house? They said it means purify it from shirk. This is in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instruct his Khalil Sanctify my house. Purify it from shirk. And Alhamdulillah it's been purified from shirk. Also, if you look at another verse, Surah 2 verse 125, there's a very slight change which the scholars detect. So in Surah 2 verse 125, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He says, Antahira so Allah says purify my house from shirk then what worship does he mention in this verse 
Surah 2 verse 1 to 5. He first mentions Ta'ifin, Tawaf. Then he mentions Aqifin, Itikaf. Then he mentions Rukka, Ruku. Then he mentions Sujud. So what's the order? In Surah 2 verse 1 to 5. First is Tawaf. Then he mentions Itikaf. Then he mentions Ruku. Then he mentions Sujud. But in this verse, the order is slightly changed. What does Allah Ta'ala say here? He starts with Tawaf again, Litta'ifin. But then he says, Walqa'imin, those who stand. Then he says, Walruqqa, Ruku, As-Sujud. Where's Itikaf So the scholars point out, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the greatest deeds to perform around the Kaaba. First is Tawaf. It's mentioned in both verses. And the proof is, the Prophet in Behaqi Hasan, because every day 120 blessings descend upon the Kaaba. 60 are reserved for Tawaf. 40 for the people who offer Salat. And 20 for those who look at the Kaaba. So it's the only place on earth where Salat is relegated. So people say, well, that's a hadith. And it's a disputed hadith. Quran says it. Allah mentions Tawaf first. In both verses. So Salat, you should focus on Tawaf. That's what the Prophet is telling you. Then why does Allah mention Itikaf in that other verse? And then he mentions Salat in this verse. Because Itikaf is something that is done only one month in the year. That's usually in the month of Ramadan. But Itikaf is the next greatest deed. After that, it's Salat and then the components which are mentioned. And the last is merely to look at the Kaab. So look at the beautiful slight changes that Allah makes which the scholars detect. So now, just to add a few things here. So, in terms of the history, there's a report. So this narration is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 3364. Abdullah ibn Abbas, this is the relevant part, radiyallahu anhu, he relates. Ismail salatu mudah. Bibi Hajar, radiyallahu followed Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, saying, O Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, where are you going? Are you leaving us in this valley where there is no person whose company we may enjoy? Nor is there anything. So what's happened? Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam told to leave his family there. So he takes his wife, Bibi Hajar, radiyallahu and Ismail, his only son. And imagine, like you said, death valley. <laughs> Just left him there. So Bibi Hajar goes, there's nobody here and there's nothing for us to live off. Are you, why are you leaving us? She repeated that to him several times. He didn't say a word. Look at how obedient Ibrahim was. Imagine your wife you know, begging you to say something. He's just ignoring her. Several times, doesn't say anything. He just leaves them and he doesn't even look back. So think about that. How hard is that to leave your wife in Death Valley right, with your newborn son, your only son, who you're praying for all your life. He's not even looking back. Then the hadith says, Then she asked him, Has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered you to do this? He said one word. He goes, yes. <laughs> Meaning he realized that he's allowed to say that. Then she said, Then he subhanahu wa ta'ala will not neglect us. And she returned with 
whilst Ibrahim proceeded towards onwards until he was at Thaniya where they could not see him. So what's happened? So she said, Allah Ta'ala won't. So now look at the Iman of Bibi Hajr. <laughs> you know, there's a glimpse into her Iman because Allah Ta'ala won't abandon us. So she's gone towards, you know, the Haram. Ibrahim leaves and now they can't see each other. When, they, when he realizes that she's out of sight, he then turns towards the Kaaba. That was interesting. Was there a Kaaba? No. We already know. Allah is later going to tell me to build the Kaaba. He turns towards the Kaaba. Why didn't he turn towards Jerusalem? That's interesting. He turns towards the Kaaba and he raised his hands, invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He made the following dua. Which dua? Surah 14, verse 37. Rabbana inni askantu min dhurriyati biwadin ghayri dhi zar'in inda baytikal muharram Rabbana liyuqimu salata faj'al afidatan minan nasi tahwi ilayhim warzukhum minal thamarat la'allahum yashkurun Oh my Lord, I have made some of my offspring to dwell in a valley without cultivation. So how does he describe he goes, A valley without cultivation by your house in order, O Lord, that they may establish salat. And then the verse continues. Ibn Abbas, he then said, The house at that time was on a high place resembling a hillock. And when torrents came, they flowed to its right and left. So, look at the beautiful details given here. He's obeyed Allah the Almighty and Glorious. Now he's made a dua. In other words, Ya Allah, I know you look after them, but I'm making a dua for them. And then he makes a dua for their for the fruits. <laughs> and that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said that the only place where you can eat meat, live of meat and water without harm, is Makkah. <laughs> because of the dua of Ibrahim ﷺ. So this is the first. Now why have I mentioned that here? Because look at what the verse says. Verse 26. Behold, we gave the sight to Ibrahim. Right? So now another thing to add, which gives details. In Surah 2 verse 127. So now you have to go a few years on. Surah 2 verse 127. So how old was Ibrahim, Ismail when he left? Ismail the first time. He was an infant, babe. So maybe one years old, maybe even less. Mm. Now Ismail has grown up. So how many years have passed? Probably about, you know, 15, 16, definitely. Plus. So what happened? Uh, so the hadith, this hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 3364. The Holy Prophet, he said, the relevant part. Allah has ordered me, Ibrahim to build the house here. And he pointed to a hillock higher than the land surrounding it. Then they raised the foundations of the house. Ismail brought the stones and Ibrahim built. So what's interesting, the Kaaba was built with rocks. Who's building, who's, who's uh, bringing the rocks? His son. Ibrahim is placing it, alayhi salatu when the walls became high, Ismail brought the stone, i.e. the maqam of Ibrahim. He put it for his father who stood over it and carried on building. 
So what happened? Ibrahim couldn't get to the height he wanted without a rock. So Ismail went and he got a special rock and he brought it and that's now called the maqam. And he stood on that Ibrahim and he put the higher rocks onto the Kaab. Whilst Ismail handed him the stones, both of them were making this dua. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta sami'u al-alim. O our Lord, accept this from us, for you are the all-hearing, the all-knowing. Subhanallah. So whilst they were doing this holy task, they were making dua, because Ya Allah, please accept it, because you are the all-hearing, the all-knowing. They were thus both engaged in building and going around the Kaaba. They were doing tawaf as well. On completion, they again made the dua. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim. O our Lord, accept this from us, for you are the all-hearing, the all-knowing. So this is in Bukhari. So now there's a twitching report. The hadith is in Ibn Abi Hatim and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Wuhayb ibn al-Wardh, he recited this verse of the dua of the father and son. He then wept. And he said, Ya Khalil of Al-Rahman, you raise the foundations of the house of Al-Rahman, yet you are afraid that he will not accept it from you. And he was weeping. Now think about that. Allah Ta'ala has given the command direct, build the house. Why are they making dua? Please accept it. Was there any doubt that Allah Ta'ala is not going to accept that bit? So, he wept. Because you were told by the Lord to do it. And you're still asking, Ya Allah, please accept it. Now, why is that important? Because in Surah Ma'idah, what does Allah Ta'ala say? Allah Ta'ala says, He only accepts from the God-fearing. This is why Ibn Mas'ud said, if Allah Ta'ala accepts one of my deeds, this will be more beloved to me than such and such. Now why did he say that? Because Allah Ta'ala only accepts from the God-fearing. So these were the Imams of the God-fearing. They were building the Kaaba, they were making dua. So going back to this verse, what does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala say? Behold, we gave the sight to Ibrahim, we directed him towards it, والسلام, of the house. Saying, associate not anything with me, sanctify my house, i.e. from shirk. For those who perform tawaf, stand, bow, or prostrate themselves therein, in prayer. And this is why, to finish, our beloved messenger mentions, that um, the one, he goes, you do not know the reward for tawaf, but you will realize its worth when Allah Ta'ala rewards you on the day of judgment. So look how interesting. The Prophet didn't even give you the reward. So the scholars say it's that virtuous. The Prophet wasn't even specifying it. All he said was, you have to wait. And when you meet your Lord, he goes, you're going to be blown away. Thinking, what have I just been given here? And that's why Tawaf, when Rasulullah went to the Haram, he only ever did one Umrah. Then he focused on Tawaf. Why did he do that? That's, you know, we don't need to question the Prophet. We follow the Prophet. The best guidance is the guidance of Muhammad. Why? Because Tawaf. So you do one Umrah. If you do a second one, you've left the Sunnah. 
Right? So the scholars point out that if you need to do it for maybe some people that are deceased, then there's some scope. But focus upon tawaf is the most glorious deed. So again, tawaf is what you should focus upon. The Quran is highlighting its importance. And then of course, and then the lowest of the deeds is to look at the Kaaba. That's what the, you know, the hadith, 20, only 20 blessings come upon those who look. So now you can work out from this hadith, what is the reward for looking at the Kaaba? Sayyid ibn al-Musayyib said, Sayyid hadith, that looking at the Kaaba, you are sinless the day your mother gave birth to you. Just looking at it. So you look at that, you think, if you are Iman and you realize it's worth, you look at it, because you are sinless the day your mother gave birth to you. I just looked at it. That's only 20 blessings. 40 blessings for those who offer Salat. What do they get when you offer Salat? And what about Tawaf? 60 blessings. So note again, Allah the last truly blessed, especially the, around the Kaaba itself and everything obviously in the in the Arab. So on the side of us, and we will conclude. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَيَصُدُّونَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ الَّذِي جَعَلْنَاهُ لِلنَّاسِ سَوْبَاءً الْعَاقِفُ فِيهِ وَالْبَادِ وَمَنْ يُرِدْ فِيهِ بِإِلْحَادٍ بِذُلْمٍ نُذِقْهُ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ وَإِذْ بَوَّأْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ أَلَّا تُشْرِكْ وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْقَائِمِينَ وَالْرُقَعِ السُّجُودِ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. Subhanahu bihamdi subhanahu Allahumma bihamdika ashtadai ilahi illa anda astafrikatum bilikum bilahi mishudahim subhanahu alayhi wa sallam bilizim ilam maizikum as-salamu alayhi wa sallam alhamdulillahi wa sallam alayhi 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 wa sallam al